Hey, Sean, how the hell are you? Hey. You doing how good? Are you? Excellent, man. He Excellent. He caught me painting. I know. So, right. So he's not jerking off. You're going to see him move his hands around in the bottom, but he's painting while, while doing the podcast. So everything is good. Um, thanks, for having, thanks for having me, brother. I'm excited. Hey, me too. Thank you so much for, for doing this. And, and again, you know, this is a little late for me. So um, if I if I start fumbling or whatever, I'm like, hey, whatever. It's just part I'm of two hours away from my normal bedtime as well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, let, let's start off with something really simple. I mean, what what is mythological horses? Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> um, mythological horses is um, a band I started at 14 years old. And mm-hmm. now I'm 42 or 43. I just turned 42 or 43 the other day. I was born nice. in a hippie commune, so my parents waited for a waited to get my birth certificate. And my dad says I'm one year, and my mother says I'm the other year. Hmm. But um, basically, just a, a young punk rock band in uh, Anchorage, Alaska, at like 14, 15. And we were like playing coffee shows and shit like that. Right. And then, um, and then we just transversed over the years of. Uh, like 200 shows a year for like 10 years straight and like not having a home and that, that's aggressive uh, uh you know defining homelessness in a different way mm-hmm. yeah absolutely absolutely but uh yeah mythological horses is um it's a science experiment from uh, a teenage years simple all right so you're 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 25 plus simple years into system. it though right yeah 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 it's yeah, it's so. Here's the like, question: like three thousand shows or some shit like that. That's crazy. That's actually That's, really crazy. Yeah. Um, so here's the question that I ask um, you know, every single you know musician that I have on. Um, when is the last time you had a quote real job, or do you have a real job? Like, I mean, is, is this all you do? Like, you focus entirely on the music, or? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well. Okay. So that's a really great question. Um. <clears throat> We were about to go on tour, uh, mm-hmm. and then the pandemic happened. Right. And I live here, I live here in Maui, Hawaii, in uh, the beachfront condo complex, and I was stuck here, and so I got uh, to be able to become pool boy. Mm-hmm. And so it's my first real job. <laughs> right. It's the first time I've had health insurance in my life, and I have epilepsy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so basically I wake up, I clean the pool. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's and that's about it. But uh, last time we were on tour for shit years, and I got stuck in Anchorage, Alaska, and I was trying to. Uh, we were in between tours for like three months during the winter, and I was trying to get a job, just dishwashing or something. And I was filling out all the applications at all these bullshit restaurants. And it was like, uh, what are your references? And I'm just, or what's your last job? And I'm just like, um, Overcraft Records. And then, like, <laughs> um, and then they're like, what are your, um, or, or whatever references. And so I put uh, my Wikipedia page to a Mythological Horses. Mm-hmm. And like every, everybody would just look at it and they would just like laugh at me and look at me. And like, uh, <laughs> I, remember, I remember after like, I was walking through Anchorage, Alaska. I was walking this whole strip of Spinard Road. And uh, I think I'd put in like 20 applications of the whole road. And the last people just like laughed at me. And I, I went out to the parking lot and I dropped to my knees. And I just started yelling, fuck you, rock and roll. Fuck you. I love it. So I'm sure, so I'm sure they, they're glad they didn't hire me. Right. But it was kind of one of those things of like, like I have actively been working my ass off for 20 years. Right. Like what the fuck is my resume other than right. music, you know? Yeah. So people don't understand that part. Well, that's it's a fun- good question. It's funny. I was talking with uh, um, one of your, your current bandmates, Kurt Danielson um, earlier today, actually. And, and uh, it reminded me like when I first met him, he was working at, at a, I think it was a feed store in like Mount Vernon. Like that, right. that was his job. It was hysterical. Right. Because, you know, I didn't expect that at all. And he was like, well, I can't do this because I have to work. And I was like, well, what do you do for work? You know, it was like, oh, I work for this. I think it was a feed store. It's something like that. You know, some some little store in, in like Mount Vernon or somewhere like up north. 
Um, so, you know, it's, hey. Rock and, has, roll, rock, rock and roll don't pay the bills. No, 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 it doesn't. It doesn't. And, rock, and, and roll is, rock and roll is a rich kid sport. Mm, okay. Well, I'll take that. Yeah. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. <laughs> so let, let's get back to mythical, mythological horses a little bit, right? So you, you recently, um, in the last couple of years anyway, uh, managed to get some, some like Seattle luminaries, so to speak, like to, you know, to join your band and talk about that. Like, how did that happen? What, what's the little story behind that? You're marijuana, sir. Oh, thank huh, you. Perfect. You're excused, just. <laughs> your butler has arrived with your marijuana. It's all good. Drummer. <laughs> um, how I got involved with Tad was um, shit. So I was on tour and uh, really long tour and had um, a bunch of epileptic seizures. Got put in the hospital for a while and then um, I woke up out of a coma and my girlfriend of the other band who I was touring with and all my bandmates were not in the hospital. And I was like, where's everybody at? And the nurses are like, they're not here anymore. They left you. Oh, man. So uh, came out, came out of this like <clears throat> epileptic coma. <clears throat> and a week later I got assigned to hovercraft records and, um, <clears throat> and they're like, um, okay, so we'll give you, you know, $500 to put out a tape. Right. And I was like, well, that's not going to work. I need at least $5,000 to put out a record. Mm -hmm. And over a beer, it was like, it was an interesting how if you just play ball, sometimes the ball will strike back. But um, so I had to look for um, a way to like, in, in my mind, I was, so it was, a hip, it was a hipster label that was all like DIY and everybody's, you know, um, just like the, Portland hipster DIY don't give a fuck about shit. Mm -hmm. And like I wanted to elevate the band to like next level of like a more professional sound. So um, I'd, see, I'd seen an interview that Tad Doyle uh, had a studio. And so I contacted him and I was like, hey man, uh, could you make my really pussy songs sound more heavy? Right. And he wrote me and he's like, sure. And so, um, so then I started working with Tad and then two albums later, he's like, all right, bro, you need a real bass player. And I was like, hmm, I don't know any real bass players. So I was thinking about Tad and I was looking at the Eight Way Santa album. And so I emailed Kurt Danielson and I said, mm -hmm. hey, listen, Tad says I have to have a real bass player. I fucking mm -hmm. need you. And so, of course, he's like, well, I as many things to do but yeah i'll do it mm -hmm. so, so it's kind of one of those things and then uh, same thing with kurt block but like kurt block i was just like wrote him and i was like listen motherfucker you're being drafted into mythological horses and he's like word i love it so i love it so then i went out to the living room and i told my wife that i was like hey i got kurt danielson and kurt block in my band and she's like well you should probably write the record now and I was like, <laughs> right that's a good idea <laughs> it's a good idea yeah and <laughs> And Kurt, I mean, God, I love the guy so much. Danielson. Um, that would have been right about the time that, that um, he was uh, uh, unceremoniously ejected from uh, Sky Crows Mary. So, yeah, that was probably a good time for him to join up with the band, too. Oh, yeah. And you were uh, a management for that for a little while, right? I, I, I played a manager for, for a brief amount of time. Um, right. I'm not good at that. I mean, honestly, I'm just not. Like, I'm, I'm good at putting things together, but the minutiae involved in, in like managing bands is, is, um, a lot of work for very little payoff. Right. Yeah. So it didn't turn out super well, but anyway, I, I, I do love Kurt. I think he's a, he's a great guy. And he did finally get back to me, by the way, just earlier today. Um, oh, is he gonna yeah. So hopefully, hopefully I'll have him on in the next couple of weeks. Um, no, cause he has on. some great stories, man. Some great stories. Um, yeah. and, I, I, of course, I'm going to ask him about his book. Hopefully, you know, he had a couple of books in the works a few years ago. So hopefully at least one of them is, is close to being done. Um, so mythological, myth, mythological horses. So where did the name come from? That, that to me is a really interesting one because there are, uh, I have a couple of theories, but I'd, I'd actually, um, obviously I want to hear what you have to say about that. 
I would like to hear your your number one theory. Um, there's there's a uh, oh my god, I just I, I don't have it in front of me right now, but there's a uh, um, there literally is a mythological horse from from Greek mythology called uh, uh, oh my god, I should know this since I classics was my major, uh, Holio. Gropus or something like that. Anyway, that, that was that was the only thing that I came up with, really. Um, other than that, I think it's it's sort of whimsical, right? I mean, it sounds very whimsical. Yeah, it's very Ghostbusters. It's very. Uh... So I was putting out, I put out a bunch of uh, solo albums when I was younger, a bunch of anti-folk albums. It was underneath uh, the moniker Sean Holly, <clears throat> and the show started getting bigger, and we had more more people at the shows and then we start having more band members. So then I had like an entire band on stage with me. And I got off the stage and I was like, thanks, we're Sean Holly," And I was like, that don't make sense. <laughs> right? That's, way too, that's way too narcissistic. Like if you're gonna, I don't know. I mean, I'm not gonna get into it. But um, so we sat around a table in West Seattle <clears throat> 15 years ago or so, and uh, everybody wrote names on the table, mm -hmm. and uh, and one said mythological horses, and I was like, that's pretty cool, because it's kind of like Bigfoot or something that you don't know if it really exists or not. Right. I'm sorry, what the fuck are you doing? You're, you're taping paint rollers um, to your, gonna... your fingers. Yeah, yeah, I'm just working on art right now. Okay, no, that's fine. I was just curious. Like, I've, I've never seen somebody do that before, so I had to ask. I've never done it before, so we're going to see what happens. Oh, this is fun. This is fun. So a, a, a real-time, you know, demo of, of taping paint rollers to your hands. It'll be fun. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so mythological <laughs> horses. So All right. So somebody came up with the name, but what what was the... Like, was there any meaning behind it, or was it just kind of a, a random name that somebody came up with? Well, Mythological Horses over the years has had, I think, 43 band members. Oh, Jesus. And five of them are dead. Oh. And most everybody just wasn't able to handle pushing 200 shows a year. And that's understandable. But, uh, right. but for the past, like, think seven years now it's just been me and Jess primarily as a two-piece mm -hmm. and then we have uh then we have the other boys that come in and help us out and make us sound good right but so when okay. you play live though like so so you've got a show coming up in in uh, uh in like a week right two weeks whatever yeah yeah, um, yeah how do you do those shows is it just you and Jess when you do it or do you bring other musicians in because I'm, I'm pretty sure Kurt and Kurt and Kurt and Tad aren't flying out to, to no. be with you. No, no. Mythological Horses is just basically me and Jest. Right. It's just a therapy band. And uh -huh. so it's just the root core is just guitar, guitar and drums. Mm -hmm. uh, like Godhead Silo was just right. yeah. like bass and drums, but uh, super loud guitar and drums. And then when we're able to be graced with. Uh, the, the holiness of rock and roll, then the boys come mm -hmm. in and help us out and make us sound better. Okay, so, so primarily two-piece two 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 band. Okay, so live live your two pieces always, right? Is that is that kind of accurate? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but okay, so here's a an, here's an question. So like when you come through Seattle, so you play, you know, Seattle and Portland or whatever, um, right. are, are those boys going to join with you or is you still like a two piece at that point? Yeah. No, like when we come home to Seattle and stuff, like the boys are like on stage with us and stuff. Okay. But so it's more, it's more regional, you know, because like mm -hmm. we live in Maui, Hawaii and mm -hmm. like, like me and Jess live in, in Hawaii now. And then the boys are over there. So it's like, but like Daniel Singh can't like tour and block has like his own. Right. Multiple other bands and stuff. Right. And, uh, so. So that's really interesting, though. I mean, do, do you do you run into into situations where um, you're on the road and and you play a show and people show up and they're like, "Hey, where is you know whomever?" Right. 
and they show up in just, yeah. you know like two piece like do, do you have adverse reactions or do people are people excited about that yeah uh, a good one was uh we played um we played a, um, a college show in arcata california a few years ago and this guy shows up and uh so just my drummer used to be in the band called the Moldy Peaches. Right. And they're a New York anti-folk outfit, originally mm -hmm. from Port, Port Townsend, Washington. And I remember this guy being like, uh, pulling up like the Moldy Peaches Wikipedia page and being like, I don't see the drummer here. And I was like, and I was on tour and had been drinking. And I was like, you should look a little harder, motherfucker. And then he right. like pulled out, like pulled pulled his face away from the phone, and his eyes were like completely like super cross-eyed, and I felt really bad. And I was just like, oh, shit. <laughs> that's hysterical, it's hysterical. Yeah, yeah my uh, stuff, um... stuff like that. But people come out to people come out to see Jess, you know, and that's funny. And then like, and then Seattle, you know, Seattle lights, but nobody gives a fuck about me. Well, I mean, listen. So you, you've you've done some really interesting stuff, and and honestly, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna get into that stuff because I think we'll just I'm just gonna let you kind of go uh, a stream of consciousness for a little bit. Um, but you you've done a lot of really interesting shit, right? And in, in regards to especially the the moxie to to bring people into the fold, right, of what you're doing. Um, and you you and I are kind of kindred spirits in that way. Like I I'm very good at bringing just people like hey i really respect you you want to be on my podcast sure you know it's like yeah. eh, whatever so in a lot of cases all it takes is just that that reaching out to people you know like it's, hey uh, well you know uh 99.99 percent of success is showing the fuck up and then yeah. uh and then nard and then nardwar did a good um, uh talk at south by southwest years ago just saying it's the power of asking or the power, you know, yeah. of just like connecting with people. And just right. saying, hey, I'm this person. I'm nobody. You want to hang out? You want to do something? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so one of the interesting things I had with uh, with the Eddie Spaghetti podcast is, you know, when he was talking about like, you know, meeting up with, you know, or and becoming friends with like Willie Nelson and, and you know, Steve Earle and people like that is. I got a Willie Nelson. I got a Willie Nelson story. But, well, but keep, keep going. No, no of course I want to hear it. But just very briefly, like his whole thing was, you know, hey, when it comes down to it, he's just a normal guy who like just wanted to hang out and, and talk to people, you know, and, and like, of course, you know, but it, it's hard to think that way when you see somebody like who? up on stage. Willie Nelson. Who, Willie? Who, Willie? Yeah, yeah Willie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Steven Tyler is my neighbor. Well, in my neighborhood. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, good. So, and super sweetheart, but you meet people that are just like super fucking genuine and super. Right. Yeah. I mean, as much as I dislike Aerosmith, I, I do respect them a lot. Right. Especially, right. especially, you know, him and, and Joe. Right. I mean, like, yeah, fuck. I mean, who else has done this shit for like, you know, almost 50 years. Right. right? And still sell out arenas. Like, yeah, great. I mean, you can't, you can't um, deny that, that, uh, that level of success. Right. And yeah. Whatever. So let, let's hear your Willie story because I, I love the guy. So I'd love to hear anything. Oh, I got about a Willie story. Okay. Um. So I was a uh, I was traveling in the mid nineties, oh, late nineties, no, early two thousands, and Hold on. you need a lighter. All right, so the guest is going off camera to get a lighter to smoke his weed. This is fun. Oh, here it comes. Oh, good. Intermission. <laughs> so I was, uh, I was traveling on a Greyhound bus from Riverside, California to Las Vegas. And I was dope sick at the time. And this is my early 20s and stuff. I've been clean off drugs for 19, 20 years now or something. And um, so I'm sitting on this bus and we get like through like Palm Springs area, 
maybe Barstow or not Barstow, but on the way to Vegas and this hippie gets on the bus with a guitar and I'm sitting there with my guitar and my backpack in, in my seat in like crowded bus and it's like one seat open next to me. I'm just like, please don't let this fucking hippie sit next to me. Please don't let right. this fucking hippie sit next to me. Fucking hippie sits next to me. Oh no. And um, just chatting my ear off like the whole way to like Vegas, maybe three hours or so. And and I was the way I was funding my tours at the time is I was taking California weed and taking it to New Mexico and selling it for double price. Oh yeah, and, of course. And then and then being able to fund traveling for my tours. <laughs> and then uh, so we pull into Vegas, and the Las Vegas sheriffs with all their yellow polo shirts have all these like um, stretch out fold out tables next to the Greyhound buses as we roll in. And they're searching everybody's backpacks and shit for drugs. Oh God! And uh, and I'm sitting there like, fuck! I got a I got a, a quarter pound of weed in my backpack. Oh. And, and so um oh still so about like sorry my rabbit get out of there oh, oh. so um. I figure out like maybe like 15 minutes, 20 minutes out of Vegas that it's Willie Nelson sitting next to me. Oh my God. That's like, hysterical. And I was like the whole time. And so we, we pull in and I look at him. And I'm like, yo, I've got a quarter pound of weed in my backpack. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, hold your guitar. And just, and he's like, hold your guitar and hold my guitar and just stick next to me. And so as we got off the bus with Willie and Mind you, he has his own buses and stuff, so I think he, like, maybe just took the Greyhound from one destination to another just to try to be real or something for a second. Yeah, sure. For three hours with me. And uh, and so we get off the bus, and I'm holding his guitar. I'm holding my guitar. I have my backpack of weed. And all this, all the Las Vegas sheriffs surround us. And they're like, oh, mm-hmm. Willie, Willie, can we get an autograph? Can we get an autograph? And everybody's, like, taking selfies and, like, autographs and shit. And I'm just sitting there, like, holding his guitar, holding my guitar, <laughs> backpack full of weed, just glowing. And then and he took his guitar, and I was like, thanks, bro. And I just, like, beeline for my next bus to get over to the That's show. hysterical. Absolutely hysterical. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a pretty well known for his, his weed consumption, so that doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, he oh, probably had his... Are. Yeah, he probably had his own half pound somewhere in his, you know, probably in his guitar. Right, the guitar he gave, like, hey, just you know, hold this. <laughs> like, yeah, sure. Um, yeah. So, you you talk a lot about addiction, right? Which which I think is is really interesting because a lot of people don't talk about their addictions. Like, I I'm very open about mine, um, or or yeah. what used to be addictions. I mean, well, we are I still... a band of addiction. Yeah. Okay. So there was an interview I just read. Um, really briefly, like, you know, maybe an hour ago, um, with you where, where you said like, Hey, um, and I don't know how old it was. There was no dateline on it, but it was like, yeah. Um, you know, I wake up every morning, you know, and I, I basically, you know, smoke a bunch of weed, you know, my drummer drinks a bunch, you know, like whatever. And you were just very, very, very honest about, you know, like the addiction and, and whatnot. Um, does that, does that drive you at some, at some level? I mean, is, is that kind of a, a, a foundation of, mythological horses well yeah it's, it's the complete foundation of mythological horses from okay. being 14 years old chemically dependent so my i i grew up in the na program my my woman well, my mom was a midwife and my father was a biker i grew up in the na program aa program but as our parents were inside the meetings, the kids would be outside in the parking lot, smoking joints of the parents' stashes and stuff. So all of us NA kids, as our parents were getting sober, we were all trying drugs for our first time. Like I remember right. me being the me being the one on like five hits of LSD at thirteen, being selected to go in and get a and get a. Um, two cups of coffee from the meeting while it's going on. And I'm just like 13, like tripping. Oh my God. Trying to get like two cups of coffee to take out to the kids on the parking lot. 
That's so, um, crazy. Uh, no, Mythological Horses is a band of rejects and ferals. You know, I grew up in Anchorage, Alaska, where all the kids are extremely, extremely feral, or right. my my group of kids. And um, so, yeah, Mythological Horses is uh, just uh, a band of misfits, a band of feral kids. Mm-hmm. And so, and then finally, at like 43, I'm just starting to understand my Peter Pan syndrome. Right. But, uh, but still getting there. Well, look, I'm, I'm about to turn 50, and I still haven't figured out my Peter Pan syndrome, so I'm, I'm right there with you, you know? It's I, like, Mythological Horses is like uh, Beavis and Butthead. I mean, that's interesting. Trying to, try, trying to grow up. So, the, all right, so your music is really interesting to me, right? So I haven't listened to a huge amount of it, like, you know, maybe a, an hour or so out of, out of, you know, your entire output. Um, Thanks maybe for a little taking bit. an hour out of your life to listen to my fucked up music. No, no, no. I mean, I've listened to more than an hour, but I've only probably listened to an hour worth of songs, right? If that makes sense. So I've listened to several, a couple of times, right? Um, the thing is, it's quirky, but it's not funny, right? So I was trying to. One of the things I like to do is try to figure out, like you know, genres and 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 comparisons and I'll, whatnot. I'll, I'll take I'll take I'll take you right now. Okay, good. When I when I was a young kid, and fourteen, fifteen, my first band at fifteen, well, Mythological Horses, and then and then um, and then when we had our first lineup at fifteen, um, teenage kids, my my uh, my drum uh, my my bass player uh, hung himself in an extension cord in the. Uh, in the garage as we took a, a break to eat like cereal and smoke pot. Holy shit. Teenage bands. So it's like, so it's like, welcome to rock and roll. Wow. But a lot, a lot of my friends were into like the misfits and like what I projected in my mind at the time uh, as a, like heavier rock and roll or heavier, mm-hmm. heavier punk rock that kind of scared me. And I was really into the dead milkman. Like the dead milkman right. is kind of like, Dead Milkman and Sonic Youth are kind of like the foundation of what Mythological Horses is and came to be because mythological, uh, because the Dead Milkmen were 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 punk, catchy, satirical, and not uh, not macho, not abrasive, not uh, you know. Yeah. Okay. So I, I I hear that, but lyrically, so. I also love the dumb, dead milkmen a lot, but they're funny, right? Like they, they, at least the majority of their songs are, are funny, right? They're like, they right. might be giants, right? Like yet yeah, musically, they're really good, but the lyrics are funny and they're meant to be funny, right? Your lyrics aren't necessarily funny. Some of them no. are, but they're not, they're no. not funny. So you've got that quirkiness, but, but you also have kind of a, a, a you know, a seriousness, right? That, that, and and to be honest, it's a little disarming sometimes, right? Because you've you've got this sort of like very quirky music going on. But what does the word disarming mean? I, it it kind of I I, I, dro- I dropped out in sixth grade. Oh, okay, no, that's fine. It, disarming basically means it 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 kind of um takes me back. Like it, it's it's hard to hard to really understand what's going on, right? And that that's not the real definition, but that's as close as I'm going to get at you know. 10 o'clock at night, my time. <laughs> um, it, it, it's basically, it, it's, it's, um, um, yeah, it, 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 it doesn't jive necessarily. And, but that's not a bad thing, right? Because you, again, you've got this, like this kind of like your, your voice is very quirky, right? you yeah, I got this. Uh, it's prepubescent. Yeah. I, yeah. I actually, I just, I saw that, that, I was going to bring that up at some point because I thought that was really funny. Um, and that's the same review that, that you, you were talking about, um, the other thing we were just talking about. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, so it, it is, it's a little um, almost disturbing, Sean. Like, I mean, honestly, l- let me just say that. It's, a, it's almost disturbing, but in a Thanks. good way, right? I mean, if, if that makes any sense, right? Because you've got music that is whimsical how's that whimsical is probably the best word i can come up with for that right it's it's right. sort of like almost like a disney movie you know where you and you know i mean and look at you they're like where we're talking while we're talking you know and well, you're 
you, my you life know. is my life is like the for, Forrest Gump on LSD. Well, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but I, I am a little concerned watching you put on that surgical glove. But um, luckily, I'm you know two thousand miles away. So, <clears throat> how would you describe the music? I mean, honestly, like. Again, I, I've been trying, but I, I can't. I used to write a lot of lyrics that kind of put my my soul, uh, you know, out on the shelf. But um, basically, the truth is that all of these songs are just songs about animals. And they sound like love songs, but they're not. Well, okay, so that's really interesting. And you know, getting back to to you know your your partner in crime, Jess. Um, I had never heard of the Moldy Peaches at all until um my my second wife, her daughter, played a song for for me, and I was like, oh my god, this is actually really good, right? I mean, and again, quirky. I, again, quirky is probably the, the best word I have for any of this, right? Like, I mean, it's, but it was lyrically, and I forget the name of the song now, but it was kind of a love song, but not really. Quirky is, be quirky is better than sucks. Well, no, I, I, I would never say that. Like, honestly, you wouldn't be on the fucking show if I thought you sucked. Um, I mean, actually, that's not true. I've had people on, or I have people coming up that, Actually, I should shut up. Um, <laughs> no, and I don't, I don't, I'm being facetious, right? I mean, like, I really don't think anybody that I've had on sucks or, or anyone I have coming on sucks. Um, that was kind of, that was me being quirky. A, the, mu the, music is, the, mu the music is weird and dark because I grew up in a really weird and dark place. Right, so one of the things I kind of want to get into here is, is you make these, like, epic, epic fucking Facebook posts um, that sometimes, you know, are you know pages long um about some experiences that you've had um and i would really like to dig into some of those right i mean just some of your random stories um whether they're dark or not because most of the ones that you tend to post are, are pretty fucking dark um you know like i'm not always dark no but a lot of the things that you nice i like that nice so it's a uh <laughs> that that's nice and that was all done with finger paints or, well you know whatever rollers attached to your fingers i like that that's nice so there was one that you posted about um a good friend of yours and like i, I forgive me my, my memory is is kind of shot right now but you showing up at, at a friend's house and and like they had like shot themselves or Whatever, and then you said, well, this is when the first time this has happened to me. Like, can you give me a little background on yourself? Like, I mean, why do yeah, these things keep so, happening to you? <laughs> right? I mean, really, that's what I'm trying to get at. Like, what what world do you live in in which these things are, are like, fairly commonplace? Hmm. It's weird because that reference... Um... <clears throat> to my friend getting shot uh, was, um, it was these weird blocks too, because like I went back to, was, that and that happened in Anchorage, Alaska, and mm -hmm. these blocks in my mind. And so we were on tour there like maybe 10 years ago and I drove past the apartment building and I remembered it for the first time, which was pretty mm -hmm. weird. But, um, um, oh yeah, that, that, that story is like pretty simple. It's like, lock up your fucking guns. Don't let your kids fucking play with guns. Like, right. It was like the classic P P PSA uh, afternoon um, commercial of a uh, four, four skater kids at 14 uh, smoke passing around a joint in a bedroom. And then the one kid pulling out a 357 be like, check out my dad's gun. Oh, and God. Like, hands it to my friend and the kid like hands it point and blank and like shoots him point and blank and then like i'm holding the kid with my best friend and I'm like i'm yelling for his parents and the parents are just like going into shock and i'm like fucking call 911 right and uh but you know and then um and so when the cops released me to my grandma was covered in blood and, and that was weird too because i got in the the car and it was npr 
and Nirvana was playing on NPR because my grandma was listening to NPR and I was like, why are they playing Heart Shaped Box? And they're like, Kurt Cobain, 27. I was like, whoa, heavy day for everybody. It was the same not day. A, not a fun day. for. Everybody. Wow. Wow. Well, you know, that's that's news release. Because, you know, right. Kurt Cobain had died a few days before, probably. But, you know, I mean, it, and it's shit like that. And then, uh, and then I was just like a in and out of juvenile hall and all, all, all that kind of kind of stuff. You know, just your normal, your normal uh, teenager that ate way too much LSD. You know, and right? Like uh, on the FBI's most wanted list in Alaska when you're 16, and like. Um, okay, okay, you you can't just throw that and, out and, and then without somehow, getting into it. And then and then and then somehow. Then somehow, um, you know, uh, being in the functional band at 40 or something. Okay, so, Sean, Sean, you can't throw out being on the FBI's most wanted list and and just walk away from that. So, (laughs) you you have to explain a little bit about that. Just just even a couple of sentences, man. Yeah, I started a a, a joke, silly skateboard gang when I was younger, when I was 15, and it kind of got out of hand. And then um, there's like murders and all this kind of shit with all these other kids. And then <coughs> we were running uh, LSD from the Bay Area up to Alaska in our teenage years. And then um, and everybody was doing all this fucked up shit. And I was like, I was like, I'm going to become an art thief. And so I started stealing a um, um, hand numbered uh, Bev Doolittle prints. Which was oh, wow. an Alaska Alaska artist, right? And I would try, and I would try to and I would sell those off, and I um, went to a pawn shop I'm like 15, 16, 16, and uh, had this guy outside, and I was like, "Hey, can you take this art in? Can you go try to sell it?" Mm-hmm. The people inside, they're like, "Oh, this is obviously stolen." Cop car shows up. It's middle of winter. Cop leaves his car running, goes inside, starts talking to the dude. I'm just like, oh, I'm fucked. I get in the cop car. I take off. I'm going to ditch it just maybe a block away. Right. Already a, another cop flips his lights on. Blah, blah, blah. High-speed chase. Somehow uh, the, the cops blocked off the entrance, exits to the highway in Alaska, and then I somehow ran onto the uh, Air Force Army base. And the gate was open because some car had just gone through. And then the MPs shot out my tires, you know, within a half mile or something. And then stuff like that. And then, um, and then I escaped uh, like a maximum security prison. That's a whole other story. But that's why I was put on the FBI wanted list. Right. And my involvement of uh, running a joke skateboard gang, something like that. Did, have, have you did you spend time in adult prison ever if that's too if that's too criminally uh oh no i i i think that's that's on me on me just please edit that whole part out. no 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 actually i like it so um and this is kind of what i do is i like to get people to talk about weird fucking shit so um have you got have you been in trouble with the law in your adult life or no have, <laughs> okay, I'm seeing the answer is yes. I dealt with so much of it as a fucking kid that I was just like, I'm never going to do this again. Like I set goals. Like my whole life has just been setting goals of like, that's unacceptable. I'm not going to fucking do that again. Mm-hmm. Just like dismissing it from my life and shit. Like I haven't talked to my family in like five years because they're just like negative energy. And like I love people, but it's like, and life is short. I just can't. Oh, I, I'm, I'm. Trust me, I'm right there with you. Right there with you. Um, I, I talk basically as necessary to people. It actually not as necessary. More of, of when I want to. How's that? Right. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't feel constrained by, um, um, by the social, you know, like mores of like, hey, this is what you should do or not do. Right. And so I'm just like, hey, yeah. if I feel like doing it, I'm going to do it. But I'm not going to, like, you know, I don't know, celebrate some weird holiday just because you're supposed to. Right? Or, or you know, things like that. So, Sean, I want to hear more stories, right? So, and not necessarily dark ones. You know, like, I mean, funny ones. Like, actually, and I'll start. 
Okay, so like three or four weeks ago, I randomly, long story, but I, I ended up doing acid for the first time in like 25 years. Oh, um, heavy. Be, care be careful of that. Oh, well, I'm never going to do it again. I, I realized after doing it. Um, so, <laughs> and I used to buy by the sheet, right? I mean, like I'd buy like a sheet and do, you know, a quarter of it at a time. Like, I mean, I was, I did a lot, you know, every time okay. I, um, but I did like four hits and I was a fucking vegetable for 18 hours and I hated it. Like it was the worst experience of my life. Right. Just recently. Just recently. Yeah. Like three weeks ago, yeah. four weeks ago. Um, and I vowed like no fucking way am I ever going to do that shit again. Right. Um, and I, I'm going to stick to that because honestly it, it, it sucked. Like it was not a pleasant experience at all. Um, time place, time place for everything, especially hallucinogens. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, talking to a friend, a couple of friends actually, and, and it's like, yeah, that, that stuff is fine when like you're in your early twenties or whatever. Right. Cause your body bounces back and you know, what in your mind bounces back. Um, but in my late forties, uh, that did not work at all. I mean, it fucking sucked. I was so miserable. Um, yeah, it's all about where you're at in your mind. And yeah. also like, and like LSD these days, or it's not really like real LSD. It's like so many different compounds and shit. Well, yeah. Okay. So you got to do like the pure Molly. There, there was a, a period in Seattle. I remember really well that, um, like you mentioned, you know, Molly or MDMA or whatever, but there was a, a, a huge period where that was primarily, it was like LSD and heroin. Like people would just mix those two together and call it Molly. Right. And that shit was evil. I mean, it was so evil. Um, you well, know, do you and, remember fucking? Do you remember fucking? Uh, fucking motherfuckers would have fucking just pre-rigged fucking full fucking heroin rigs and call them like space needles and sell them on the streets. I, I do. So I'm really lucky. I didn't like heroin. I did it a couple of times. Didn't like it. Very lucky. Um, it it to be honest. A friend of mine described it the best ever. He's like, it makes you feel like your head is like humongous and you're in a, a, a Looney Tunes cartoon, right? Like the first time you do it, like it, as soon as that, that shot hits your body, it, it's, it's a weird experience, right? Um, yeah. And I don't mind opiates. Like, you know, I mean, I, I have some, some you know, oxycodone that I, that I take every once in a while to sleep or whatever, but it's not recreational. Right, like doing that yeah. shit recreationally, it, it just never really jived with me. And I guess I'm well, lucky that way. I'm, I'm a recovering junkie and um, like to the point where I have like a needle in my ear before I like walk in the store and my cousin be like, yo, take a needle. I'd be like, oh shit. Mm. Um, but like, yeah, like opiates are like a really slippery slope. Yeah, they for are. A lot of people. Very much so. Um, you know, and my drug of choice, I. Uh, was you know I, I loved my my uppers right so a lot of meth and a lot of coke and whatever um, yeah and i found that pretty easy to walk away from it was weird like i was i was really deep in and then one day i just woke up and said nope and it was weird like i, I didn't plan on it i got yeah. really 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 sick and that was it i was like nope i'm done it's interesting seeing uh different different kids getting addicted to different drugs. Um, you know, you're like your ADHD and like meth and cocaine, hypersensitive kids. And then your kids that are fully into opiates and shit. And, uh, yeah, it's, 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 I, you know, I used to, sh I used to shoot a lot of meth, I should shoot meth and, um, and shoot heroin and, uh, lived out in the desert and how I stopped smoking, how I stopped uh, doing meth is uh, I was living down out in New Mexico and we started going, we, we were going out into the desert, building a small little bonfire every night. And I was hopping trains back and forth um, across the United States, selling acid and going to different rainbow gatherings. And um, we were out in the desert and I picked up this little rock and I'm like, whoa, this rock could be worth so much money. <laughs> I was like, whoa, look at this colored rock. Whoa, look at this one. <laughs> so I filled, 
I filled one painter bucket, right? <laughs> right. Painter bucket. I filled one, and I was living in a friend's house that had a, a two-car garage that was empty. And then I stepped my game up to three buckets a night. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up filling this entire two-car garage, like up to the up to the fucking rafters with rocks. And of course, none of them were worth anything, right? Yeah, I went out. I went out one morning to <laughs> roll, roll, roll a roll a joint, and I looked over at this insane pile of rocks, like two car garage full. And I looked at a rock, and I was like, "This is just a shitty rock. <laughs> just another shitty rock." So that's that's how I stopped doing dope. Yeah. So my situation was was not quite that, although I've had those sort of situations. Um, mine was, I got some really, 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 really bad bathtub sort of meth. And it's one of those, like, you know, do a line, throw up, do a line, throw up, do a line, throw up, do a line, throw up. Like, and I did that for like 24 hours. And my, my girlfriend who became my first wife was completely innocent. She had no idea what I was doing, right? Like not a fucking clue. And she came over one night and she's like, Hey, or one morning, I guess it was. And she came over and she's like, Hey, let's go out and get some lunch. And I'm laying on the couch and I'm like, I can't move. Right? Like, I mean, I, I, I literally couldn't move. I was shaking and like, Ugh. and she made me walk down the street. I was living up on, on a Capitol Hill at the time in Seattle. And she made me go out and eat food. Right. Which is oh, yeah. the last fucking thing you want when you're, you know, you know, especially, you know, doing the, the whole like seizure sort of thing after, uh, after that much meth, but <clears throat> she made me go eat food. And after that, I just stopped. I mean, that was it. I was like, okay, well, this is stupid. You know, like staying up for 24 hours and, and literally puking my fucking guts out every time I would take a, a hit. Right? Like, it's like, yeah, this is not a, life. Yeah. Well, basically, same thing. I went to, I, moved, I was dope sick. I went to Maui, Hawaii. I puked my guts out. I drank a, a bunch of a Carlo Rossi hobo jugs of wine. Oh, God. And uh, puked all my shit out of my system. And then I stopped being junkie. But then I have been an alcoholic since. So <laughs> right. Like, you know, which, which, which sucks because it's like you give up the needle, but then you have the bottle. And it's like. Right. Uh, I'm slowly working on that. You know, the, the problem with alcohol is, and, and I love my booze, man, I, I fucking love my booze, um, is that it's legal, it's everywhere, and very few people will ever give you shit about it. Yeah, right? but like, it's all about, like, what the fuck you want to do in your life, like, whatever is, like, hindering you or or uh, elevating you. Right. You know? No, no, it, and I, I'm trying to skip that that part of it, the equation right now. Um, it's more about like, it's acceptable, right? Like putting a needle right. in your arm is never socially acceptable, right? Unless you're with like, uh, the, unless you live in Alaska. Well, okay. I want to get into Alaska a little bit too. Um, because I have, I have some friends from Anchorage and, and their stories are fucking mind blowing. Um, you know, That's the amount of, here. yeah, the, the amount of, of, uh, you know, drug abuse and, and alcohol abuse and whatnot is, it's pretty fucking staggering. Um, in fact, I used to think Seattle was bad, right, in, in regards to, like, drugs and alcohol, but it has nothing on Anchorage at all. Like, not even close. <laughs> um, actually, fuck it. L- let's talk about that a little bit. So, you grew up you grew up in Anchorage, right? I grew up in Anchorage. Okay. Born and um, raised. Yeah, so Anchorage to me is, is, and I think to a lot of Americans, even though obviously it's part of the U.S., seems like this exotic fucking place, like, you know, Whatever, because most of us will never go to Anchorage, right? We'll never go to Alaska. Um, it's it, it 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 was the wild wild west. So you had like mm-hmm. um, you had the pipeline days in the seventies, eighties, which was just this huge gold rush of of money, cocaine, booze, prostitutes, hell's angels. Um, it was it was the wild wild west. So right. like every bar every bar has bullet holes. In, mm-hmm. in things over the years it's become this extremely uh, like sad desolate place where okay so a lot of 
in the small native villages up in mm-hmm. around in Alaska, they kind of like a kind of like a, a three strikes out rule. You're out, you know, if you fuck mm-hmm. up so many times, and and so they keep on kicking out uh, a lot of Alaska natives from the from their villages and sending them to Anchorage with uh, a one way ticket and like no plan. And so then there's like no plan set up for anybody who gets off the planes. And so wow. Anchorage has just become this like insane insane like the whole city is a homeless camp like it it's fucked up it's it's scary it's sad and like something has to happen there's a yeah there's a documentary i watched uh, a a few months ago about um the opiate crisis in in anchorage and it was really 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 fascinating um oh yeah like I, i had a friend that was like trying to request a bed to get like off opiates and they're like yeah we have one we'll have one in a year and a half for you (laughs) that's basically what the documentary was saying too i mean it was really fucking interesting and terrifying but the the worst part to me was watching all these people who are homeless in anchorage like of any city in the united states to be homeless anchorage would have to be the worst as far as i'm concerned right it's cold well that's it it's cold (laughs) yeah it's not fun yeah, I mean, um, <clears throat> this is a really dark podcast. <laughs> hey, you know yeah, what? Like, no, uh, we're just talking we, about shit. Life know, is like, dark, dude. And every and every summer uh, or every spring, you find a ton of frozen bodies. You know, right? Yeah. But the whole point is just that there's no plan, plan and effort uh, or plan in place to help out the homeless in Anchorage right now. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so I'm currently talking to some friends to try to like put a, a bigger platform on to help help mm-hmm. uh, spotlight that right now, but uh, we'll see what happens. Well, actually, it's interesting. So after after this, like maybe tomorrow or whatever, I'll hook you up with a good friend of mine who's down in Portland. Um, she's she's from Anchorage originally, native. Um, currently lives in Portland, but she's doing a lot of of work with that sort of thing in Portland, but wants to kind of start doing more stuff in in Alaska, you know, where her family still is. Um, So yeah, I I definitely want to hook you two up because I think you get along really, really, really super well. Um, Always down to collaborate. Yeah. And that's another thing that happens in Alaska that does not happen anywhere else is the, the, the native issue, right? I mean, like, Obviously, there are, you know, there are native people everywhere throughout, you know, the U.S. Um, but it's not the same as it is in Alaska, right? Like, I mean, it, well, it's something... Reservations are, reservations are reservations, and isolation is isolation, and, uh, you know, small communities that are drug-dependent, and, you know, a lot, also a lot with Alaska is that you have... All right, so in Anchorage, what what would go for twenty dollars of cocaine or twenty dollars worth of dope in Seattle goes for fifty in Anchorage. So right. it's like it's all it's all double priced and stuff, and then bootlegging communities, and then poisoning, and then especially like poisoning like the village communities. That's just like I've seen it in my whole life. It's 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 a long fucked up story. But. Yeah, no, no, right. and that that's horrible stuff. So you're right. It it is getting a little bit dark. So why don't why don't we uh, change gears just a little bit here? <clears throat> what do you see mythological horses like this year? Like, what are your plans for? Granted, the year is half over, but how do you see? What do you see mythological horses doing in in the next say like six months or so? Um, probably being completely homeless. <clears throat> is so you mentioned that okay. a lot no i mean no, you, okay. you talk about that a lot no, and no I, no I, it's it's a scary thought but no no we're we're, we're good it, it was just a bad joke um we uh we record the demos for our new album next weekend and then we record the new album with uh with tad in seattle in october okay and, cool do you have any shows lined up in seattle in october or October, November. Uh, we do. We have uh, the, the weekend of Halloween. We have three shows: Tacoma, Seattle, and Shoreline lined up. Shoreline. Where are you going to play in Shoreline? Daryl's. Oh, Dar- Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah, I like Daryl's. Um, yeah. 
uh, yeah, and then um, uh, and then we'll see um, how the album gets released. You know, so right. I'm thankful that I won't be homeless for the the release of the album because I have a home now, which is right. pretty fucking. Cool. But uh, but that's just one of those worries. It's just like <clears throat> investing everything you fucking have, and like right. working really hard, and then being on tour, and then being like, um, okay, wow, I just got home from tour, and. Uh, there's all our pallets of records underneath the carport and then there's a sign on the door that says you're fucking evicted get your shit out yeah no and that's that's obviously not fun um something just went you know and it happens and it happens that's what rock and roll is so it's like you know and then the mental illness of like continuing like it's just like think of it as like a fish swimming upstream and just getting beat the whole time and stuff and like Right. having no support so it's like continuing to like being like oh put an album out that's oh, a failure put an album out that's oh, a failure put an album out that's oh, a failure and then like continuing to do it is just um you know that 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 interest interesting topic of of mental illness going back to that right okay so i i, I want to wrap up here fairly soon but Oh, yeah. One thing, one thing, one thing that you talk about over and over again. Well, now I'm wide awake. I, I took one of those alpha brain pills, so I'm like, yay! You know, it's basically legal speed. Um, one of the things you talk about all the time is homelessness, drug addiction. Yeah, that's a, that's that's a a huge theme of the band. Yeah. Um, you know, and unfortunately, and and really, it's just the the therapy of of the band and, and the reality of the band you know mm-hmm. you can't you can't sugarcoat um playing 500 shows and 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 using 499 different drum kits you know? <laughs> right <clears throat> so actually i'm kind of at a loss for words right there because that that kind of sums it up a lot um do, we're, we're we're not we're 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 a we're not a typical band. We're more of like um, me and Jess, like being like, I mean, literally looking at Beavis and Butthead and putting a guitar and a drum with them and just like floating hopelessly through life mm-hmm. and uh, hoping that I don't know, not even hoping anymore. I mean, if if, if I were to call it a if I were to call it a therapeutic art project, would that be somewhat valid if we if i didn't have a goal i'd mm-hmm. be dead or in prison or dead in prison or yeah. in prison and dead um so it's just like an endless goal i, I feel like and i'm thankful that me and just have like this in, endless goal mm-hmm. because if not we would be fucked you know so so what is the goal sean i mean wh- what is the end goal for for mythological horses like what what is that goal our end goal is, is, is simple, uh, to have a farm or a big enough property where we can um, build yurts or tiny homes for our good friends who are completely fucked and dysfunctional in life and will mm-hmm. will be homeless in life. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I, I, and, and, I, and I'm there with that, you know, I, I'm one of mm-hmm. those. So it's kind of like, um, not trying to build like a, a feral community, but... Um, a home for mythological horses, right? You know, uh, a retirement stable community. A, a tiny house, ho- tiny house horse, village, or something like stable, that. Horse stable community. <laughs> uh, it, the focus is just uh, the point is to have a home, you know. And then once we have a home, then just to continue working our asses off with music. If I won the lottery tomorrow, like a mm-hmm. billion dollars, all I would think about is what are we going to do next with the band. So it's just like. My my brain's just fucking wired. Yeah, and, and that's that's dedication, man. Dedication. Um, we're almost up to the hour mark, but he, here's here's a couple of things that, that I have. I mean, I'm sure we could probably keep going forever, but um. No, no, I'm I'm I need to go swim. I'm yeah. Okay. So th- there are two questions I always ask everyone, and a couple of them like nobody likes, but whatever. Fuck you. I'm gonna ask them anyway. Um, one is. And this is a question I hate being asked myself, so this is why I like to ask it. 
who is your favorite band or bands? You, you can answer multiple if you want. My favorite band? Yeah. Or band? Yep. Uh, well, shit, I love all music. So, um... <laughs> yep. Again, everyone hates this question, including me, which is why I ask it. Yeah. I, I mostly listen to classical music all day, but uh, my favorite bands would be uh, Godhead Stylo and The Dead Milkman. That's a really interesting combination, and, and actually it makes perfect sense listening to mythological horse or I almost said horsemen, mythological horses. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that actually makes a lot horse, of sense. Mythological horse, yeah. That, actually, that's a. You know what? You should do a side project called mythological horse. That would be fun. I have a side project called Be a Side. Look it up on YouTube. Oh, I will definitely, definitely. B um, B B E E, aside. I don't know. Funny. It's, I like it's that. About, I like that. It's about the awareness. It's about the awareness of the death of bees. <laughs> All right. All right. You're a fascinating you motherfucker. Going? I have one last question for you, though. All right. And this is another one nobody likes to hear. What is something about Sean Hawley that nobody fucking knows? Well, besides the fact you like to put yourself in a picture frame. What is something really fucking bizarre about you? which I know there's a lot, but pick one thing that... Every, every time I hike a mountain, I masturbate on the top of the mountain. Wow, so that's one I've never heard before. That should be an easy one, but... Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think that's, you know, common. You're um, closer to God. You're closer to God. And does right, that... Are, are we done... Yeah, we're done, Sean. Hey, thank you so much, man. Stay on just All for right. a second. Other than that, we're done. Thank you, Sean.